Welcome to High Stakes, episode 40. I'm your host, Neil Orso. You can find me on Twitter at PlayerQDFS. This show is produced by Mike Lawrence. You can find him on Twitter at AwesomeYo. And we have a great guest for you this week. We have Ritesh, who is uh, he is one of the top DFS players in the world, currently fourth in the tournament player of the year rankings, 17th in NBA. He's top 10 in both NFL and MLB. Won his first millie, as far as far as I can tell, won his first millie in 2019, beating 250,000 people. This year, he won the Fantasy Baseball World Championship on, on DraftKings, followed by another millie in NFL in September. That one had, he had to split that one. Uh, but so many big wins that you can't even keep track of how many big wins Hishbu has. You can find him on Twitter, at HishbuDFS. I'm sure you know his name on DraftKings, Hishbu, because he's at the top of the leaderboard constantly. He's also Hishbu1 on FanDuel, where, uh, as far as I can tell, and I'll, I'll bring you in now, Ritesh, as far as I can tell, you don't really play a ton of FanDuel. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, no, I stopped playing on FanDuel a while ago, um, just because it was easier to focus on one site, especially like my main sport was NBA, and I tried doing both for a little bit, and it was just like hurting both. Uh, so, so I stopped FanDuel for a little while. I might, I might get back into it with MLB and NFL next year, but um, uh, I got to get some money back on there first uh, to yeah. to get to those games. I was, I was I was looking through your biggest scores. That's how I could kind of tell. And I I had never like really thought about whether you play because I don't play a ton on FanDuel these days anyway. But I was looking through your top scores and it was like, oh yeah, you have like 99 of your top 100 biggest scores are all on drafting. So I saw that you have a FanDuel account, but uh, yeah, it appeared that you were not playing there a ton. Uh, but you, as far as I can tell, you crush NFL, NBA, and MLB. Do you, do you play any other sports? Uh, those are the only ones right now. I've like yeah. dabbled a little bit in PGA and I've never been a winner, I think, in PGA. And I Same. played a little bit of MMA during the pandemic. Um, and I, I started off pretty hot, but then uh, things went went kind of downhill and then like sports came back. So I just stopped, stopped with that. Yeah. Um, so just focused on the main sports. Yeah. Dabble yeah. in the others. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way. And I've I've lost like tens of thousands of dollars at pga i don't watch the sport don't know anything about it i try it anyway so uh yeah i'm sa- same same boat i prefer just the the main sports there um can you tell me your username hishbu is there uh any special meaning there what what's the uh how'd you come up with that uh so i don't know if you uh remember um uh there was a show on nickelodeon called all that uh no, and I don't it was like it was like snl for kids basically okay um, nice and they had this they had this character like supposed to be like this like indian character or something like um kind of like you know a comedic like stereotypical character probably like pretty offensive today but um but uh his his name was it was played by keenan um keenan thompson oh really uh the character's name was ishbu um and like that became like like a uh like a, a name i used in like fantasy sports for a little while in like nice. middle school and high school you know like a little nickname that i was like reclaiming as my own uh which so do, do you use like, that at all in your daily life do like do, do people call you ishbu no there are like there are like a small group of friends from like way back when they call me ish which is like basically okay. got shortened i don't yeah. know why i add the silent h that was uh that was my own touch <laughs> oh really okay like, yeah <laughs> I heard you, know, you say it, so I repeated it, but I was like, oh, that's yeah. interesting. I've, I've always yeah, that's like, how referred to you as Ishbu. <laughs> All right, Ishbu. Um, yeah, it's uh, well, it's yeah, cool it name. came from, it came from, kind of came from that. Yeah. And you, so, you are yourself Indian, I assume. That's why you, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I, I like to start by just asking like a little bit of background question, uh, favorite sports teams and or athletes. So do you, uh, do you have any favorite? And, and also you can, if it ties in, where are you from? Where do you live now? 
Uh, so, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, it definitely ties in. Uh, so I'm from Miami, born and raised. Um, so I'm a Miami sports fan through and through. Uh, I love the Marlins growing up. Um, love the Heat, the Dolphins, um, all of those, um, basically like all the Miami teams. Um, and uh, I don't, I don't follow sports as much anymore but like growing up it was so big um and i still watch like i still watch the still watch the heat when i can and the dolphins when i can um but i'm in uh new york right now and um you know i think like playing dfs i i don't know if it's just like getting older or playing dfs but like i haven't been as interested in sports in the last few years and uh but like this this heat run over the summer like kind of uh invigorated me in a way and i was like yeah. all right i'm not like totally dead inside as far as like uh sports fandom goes um it's, it's so funny was... that you say like playing dfs makes you less of a sports fan now do you mean or, or less interested in sports as you say do you just mean that you have less interest in following following your own teams or like do you not actually watch sports at all because you don't want it to bias you uh no it's not I, I don't mind like that aspect but like when you're when you're watching sports and playing dfs like it's hard to not look at the leaderboards right, right. and then you kind of like and then when you're watching you, you're watching it with like an eye toward what you need to happen rather than like as a fan of the game or like yep. you know am i gonna root for the heat to lose on a last second shot or something because you know, it'll propel me to first place in a, in a tournament. Like probably I would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there's that like conflict um, with it. So in my ideal scenario, I would watch the games without knowing what's in my line, but that never happens. In, in yeah. practice. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I, I hope that you do let your, you for your sake, I hope this season you've let your Dolphins fandom affect your lineups a little bit because the Dolphins <laughs> have had some monster weeks this year. It's been a, a good time for, uh, I know, uh, Brick seventy five has been doing running the gag uh, dolphin attic whatever won a yeah. contest with all of the dolphins on I think Fanduel, um, but really like if you're if you just like play toward your biases you've probably had a few great weeks already this year, um, and I, I know I know you have had some great weeks I don't know if were were, were the dolphins involved at all in your in your winning lineups. Uh oh man I don't even remember uh, the one from I mean my biggest one on like classic slate was obviously week one right I chopped the million banker with red coat and um. Yep. I don't remember actually. I don't even remember what that lineup looked like. I was so surprised that it got to the top. Um, uh, I it might have had Tyree Kill or something. I don't. I don't know. Okay. I have so, no. To be that, that's. I mean, that should tell people something about how much you've won. So that was a top four. You probably won six hundred thousand dollars in that lineup. Most people is, are going to remember. Like I could tell you the exact lineup I have in any any <laughs> win that I have that big. It might take me a minute to do so, but you just have no idea because you have won so much money at DFS that individual yeah. lineups no the, longer. The first even... one, the first one I could tell you probably like each player, but the, this okay. one. No. <laughs> and that one, am I correct? That was like I think it was September of two thousand or sometime in two thousand nineteen. Your first Millie. Yeah, yeah, that was as, uh... as I was okay. Yeah, well, that was well, very. We can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, we will. We'll have to talk about that one. Um, yeah. I noticed as I was looking through your lineups, it was like you have like looking through just like your top scores on, in on your road to grandness profile. You have mm -hmm. like most of your huge wins are from 2023, 22, 21, 20, and then it's like 2019. You have a few in there. Those are all the ones that are like eight dollar buy in, ten dollar buy in. So I, I'm curious. Uh, we'll we'll get into your background a little bit, but how much like winning that milli allowed you to up your stakes and really get into playing a lot more DFS, uh, higher volume stuff. Um, 
but we can we can take that. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Let's start with your background right. information. Uh, we'll start with what kind of background do you have in statistics? Do you have any kind of formal or informal training? Uh, yeah, uh, formal. Um, I majored in undergrad uh, in statistics, and then um, I got a PhD in biostatistics. Uh, you know that old relatable story. Just get your doctorate, guys. Right. Um, <laughs> uh but like i think the the cool part for me is that like i feel like sports like my interest in sports as a kid is in like and in, in, indirectly kind of led me towards statistics you know i was like obsessed yep. with like box scores and uh numbers and um you know like simulating games like not even playing like you know the the video games just like simulating through seasons and franchise mode and stuff and like editing player like attributes <laughs> like on madden or like where or how uh i remember there was this game on like i, I don't know i was in elementary school and there was this game called uh hardball five on a uh, computer uh, okay and yeah it was it's it like very obscure reference um probably but um and it was it was just like a very simple like computer baseball game with real players in it and um and like you could actually like change their attributes so like they would they would hit with contact like uh, like all the time or you know hit with power and like i'd fiddle around with that and then like simulate games and you know really? so we just like love baseball and it was more like baseball early on and then later on as i got older more into less into baseball more into like nba I feel like it's it's a common thing for people, and it was you know me too to some extent. And I I don't have any kind of formal training in statistics, so not not really the exact same. But I I feel like I am pretty good with statistics and pretty interested in statistics. And it's the same thing. Where like growing up, I was obsessed with like the back of baseball cards, reading the stats for the players, and like that similar story of like yeah, just the sports got me interested in statistics. It was the first place that I ever really saw them. And of course it, you know, kind of gets you to start thinking at a young age about statistics. And I feel like that's been kind of a common theme on this show. A lot of, a lot of the guests have been like, yeah, I'm really into stats. It started, started with sports as a kid. I was really interested in them. So I feel like that's not an uncommon story to, but, but most of us don't go on to get a doctorate in, do you say biostatistics? Yeah, so it's basically statistics with like more slightly geared toward like medical applications, but it's it's cool. mainly statistics with like a hint of a little, you know, um, medical science. Okay, gotcha. And then uh, to to apply, I mean, what kind of training uh, do you have in computer program? Any any kind of formal or informal training there? Uh, I mean, I took a couple classes in college, but like I didn't really like learn a language thoroughly, like because I didn't use it enough. It was more just like you know, checking off a box that I needed for my major. Um, so like you, you learn the basics and you learn like certain algorithms, like you have to like program the sorting al algorithm. So, um, so uh, I had a little bit of experience before grad school with that, but once I got to grad school, you know, we took in a class in R and Python for a semester again. So like, again, I wasn't like using it that much, but you learn some things and then, and then really how I learned was just like, you had to use the program. You had to use R essentially in grad school, um, uh, and just for like your homework and, and and like when you start doing research for your simulations and things like that. And so, uh, just using it on a daily basis in grad school, I I became really um, proficient at it. So okay. that's where that's where it came from mostly. Yeah. Okay. And I, I ask those questions in tandem because I, to me, it's like to, to apply your knowledge of statistics 
in my mind, you at least need some ability in computer programming. It sounds like you do. I guess that's not entirely true. Like so, some people can probably like, you know, myself, I, I just use uh, an optimizer that's already built for me. So you don't really necessarily need any kind of training in computer program, but it sounds like you have, have kind of trained yourself and, and you do use your, uh, some computer programming as part of your process. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. And what we'll get into a little bit more. I know you don't want to give away all of your secrets. As I've said, I'm going to try to get whatever I can out of you. Uh, but yeah, do uh, your but best. Yeah, I'll do, I'll do my best. Um, tell me about your uh, professional background prior to DFS or any related hobbies. Um, so before DFS, I was, um, well, actually, I was simultaneously because like right out of grad school, um, I was working in clinical trials um, for infectious diseases, just kind of like a natural uh, step from from the program I, I left. Um, and and um, I started playing DFS around the same time as a hobby and then eventually went full time. Um, but uh, as far as like as far as hobbies, um, it was, it was like middle, you know, like middle and high school playing fantasy baseball, right. And fantasy football, um, and just like really enjoying that, um, you know, playing with strangers online and and playing with friends from school and stuff. And, um, somebody was asking me recently about my like start at DFS. I don't remember what it was, if I was on a show or what, but I, maybe that's what I did. I, I was trying to remember like, who did I even play fantasy sports with? Like in high school, middle school and stuff. I couldn't remember who I like, which, which friends, maybe it was a strangers online. Like, you know, I was probably, probably doing the same thing. I didn't remember that being an option. So, okay. Yeah. Well, there's like the random leagues you can just join, but I think I like, I don't know, like there were like some forums I was active on. Like there was like a hip hop forum. I was like pretty active on and they had a league and then there was okay. like some other, like I met someone through another forum and like he had, he started a league and I was like, all right, yeah. Let's do it because I don't know. <laughs> I don't have in real life friends to do this with. Right. Yeah, just just meet them online. That's perfect. I mean, online friends, it's it's cleaner too, you know, just to not have yeah. to deal with them outside of it. Um right. so you uh you you say you went pro at DFS at some point. So uh first of all, when did you get started in DFS? What I, I guess I what drew you in sounds like was your your fantasy sports background. And then when did you go pro after like relative to when you started? Yeah, so I started um you remember like around late 20 or uh, 20 football season 2015 like that the ad blitz that DraftKings and vandal oh yeah yep. annoying people with ads every five seconds during my, um... my most recent guest before you was bobby gomes who was like yeah in those, I, all those commercials I, yeah i actually met him in boston uh um, oh, nice. in boston so um Funny. yeah I'm, i met him a couple times um but uh yeah really really good guy um and so so it was like it was part of the ad blitz um because it was just like in your face um and i i had seen DraftKings advertised before but like i never actually looked into it and i wish i had while i was in grad school but but uh things worked out i guess um so um it was uh you know it was in your face all the time and then really what what drew me in i think though was uh the the ethan haskell stuff <laughs> do you remember yeah. that um so ethan gate yeah yeah ethan gate um so so basically this was for people who don't know this was a guy who worked for FanDuel. um i believe he worked for DraftKings, right i think he worked for DraftKings. he worked for one of them i don't remember which way i I think he worked for DraftKings, and he played on FanDuel, and he won like 300k and i don't know like week three or something like that um and he posted, I think he posted on his Twitter, like five minutes, like a few minutes before lock, some of the ownership percentages for DraftKings. Oh, uh, 
I didn't know that part of it. It was something something like that. Um, but it was clear he had access to the ownership percentages um, before the games locked um, on DraftKings. Um, so people were like saying, you know, it's like insider, insider trading and like, um, and, you know, almost brought the whole industry down. But, um, you know, so I think DFS got a lot of like negative publicity from that. Um, yeah. And so like people were writing articles about how like, you know, it's it's filled with sharks. There's insider trading, you know, everyone's got these algorithms and these computer programs and, you know, these uh, mathematical models to to win all the games. Um, and so I was reading these and I was like, huh, you know, I mean, I think I think I could do that. <laughs> right. You're one of the rare people who was like, oh, that could benefit me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like maybe I'll maybe I'll give it a try. And like I've always had this, like, not always, but like since undergrad, I had this fantasy about like, you know, becoming like a professional sports better. Um, that was just like obviously it wasn't legal back then. And um, and it's just like hard to do in general, um, even even with it being legal. Um, so I was like, oh, this could be like a nice way to get started and then like you know i thought i was a genius i was like oh like if you're playing fantasy daily fantasy like you could do correlated parlay stacking quarterback and wide receiver right. of course like half the people were doing it back then anyway i'm like oh yeah i'm just like i'll just like print money in this way. i mean um, which you say i mean half back then which is like relative today is probably like 90 percent. I, I don't actually know what the number right is. yeah it, it wasn't um, like it wasn't like a secret though <laughs> yeah but um, it's still a pretty big advantage that a lot of the field wasn't doing so for yeah, sure for extent. sure totally different now um but but so i i uh started you know i just recently started a job so it was just like grinding nights and weekends and like i coded up an optimizer in r and i was like oh this is great like i have an optimal lineup with you know i downloaded some projections i was like oh yeah this is gonna be so easy um and then you know i deposited like 100 bucks on FanDuel and lost it very quickly i think my first lineup had like eli manning and odell beckham stack that was <laughs> that yes. did nothing that week um and so I, I just like i played around with it for a little while um it, and then um i think i started playing on Fanduel, and then after that uh it was nba season and i started playing on DraftKings, and i played on their beginner contest at first uh, which were very easy, uh, very soft. And, um, and I accidentally like, en uh, entered like another contest. And so like my beginner contests were all done, <laughs> um, really quickly, but, um, the other contests were also pretty soft, so it wasn't, uh, that bad. Um, and I was just like that NBA season, I was just like experimenting with like different methods and stuff. And, um, and I, I, I think I only put in like 150 bucks or like 300 bucks, something like that. Um, and I was just like grinding quarter arcades and oh, wow. the, the dollar entries, like the one dollar quarter arcades um, and all the slates, like the main slates, the turbo slates, all the two game slates, every every slate I can get um, just playing the like smallest contest, the, the smallest entry fee contest. Right. Um, and like I built up a little bankroll by the end of the season where I had like like 3k 4k in my account something like that oh wow um um and this is back in like 2015 2016 that kind of season this was uh yeah this was like really the 15 16 nba season yeah, yeah. so like ending 2016 um like i think my first big win was a quarter arcade for like 600 bucks or something for um you know, on a 1250 investment and i was like right. all right so maybe we have something here i probably should have put in more but <laughs> but um 
yeah and then i i subsequently um you know i, was ch- I started chasing overlay in nfl um week one um and i basically like wagered my entire bankroll uh that week and i made like and i was still writing my program like the day of of the slate wow like i made this very like critical error <laughs> um oh, that shit. i sometimes i still make to this day but um i made a very critical error in my program um and essentially like lost almost my entire bankroll um and so, so that up to three thousand, played it all and almost lost it all right away in nfl yeah <laughs> yeah um and i i even deposited a little bit more that day um because i was chasing the overlay and i was like oh yeah it's gonna be so easy i'm gonna i'm gonna make so much money um and um yeah so that was that was almost it for me but i just like kind of grinded back i I started playing a little mlb like toward the end of the season and i i got back to like a decent role where i could play nba and and then like i hit a couple of smaller gpps and and then like satelliting into other ones into higher stakes and then like i had a good night on the satellite on days which was really helpful and then you know it kind of it was it was a little up and down from there but i was still like consistently profiting and this is like Perfect. 2016 now 2016 2017 we're talking yeah yeah okay and then did you continue grinding like so, so i know you won the milli in 2019 and that's when you're like you, you start seeing like your big sh- your big scores really started showing up after winning the milli uh, of course that's because you had so many big scores now that they all dwarf all of your quarter arcade all of your past success <laughs> not showing up on your first couple pages of big scores at this point but uh so did you was it kind of a grind all the way until the milli in 2019 or at that point had you been like 150 maxing contests like the the main contests on the sites yeah i think by that point i was i was like 150 maxing nba um and i, I i'd stopped I had, well, no, I played MLB in 2018, um, but I stopped in 2019 because that my daughter was born in April um, 2019. So uh, I just like I just didn't have time to like play MLB, and I lost a bunch of money in MLB the previous year. So I just I basically stopped for a long time until this year. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was I was one I was maxing the low stakes in NBA. And then, um, but can, but can you really define, enough. can you define low stakes for me? Oh, I like the, like the $10, $15, okay. like the main contest is, is the main, call it. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. like flagship. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Flagship. Okay. Um, yeah. And I was like, I was pretty good at NBA. So I, I felt comfortable doing that. Um, and then NFL, um, when NFL season came around that 2019 season, I had actually like already decided to, um, leave my job. Like I told them probably like i don't know sometime in july or something okay uh that summer <clears throat> to, to to try to pursue dfs full-time um and uh it just so happened like two weeks before my last day at my job i i hit the uh the the, the big million maker uh, oh wow that's insane yeah <laughs> so i mean uh were, were you married at that time i guess or, or yeah, I guess yeah. You, yeah so you're you at least in a serious so was it uh were you making enough money in DFS that your wife was like totally comfortable with it? Or was that a tough conversation to be like, Hey, I really want to pursue this as a full-time career or, or like what, what was well, that? She knew, you know, she knew that like, that was the ultimate goal, I think. And she kind of, she kind of encouraged it. Cause we were like, Oh wow. Like, Oh, we, I mean, we were like looking to get out of Boston anyway. So, um, so we, um, 
you know, she kind of encouraged me to um to to try to pursue it full time. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's it, it's a nice like security blanket to have an income and, and she still had a job, so that was fine. Okay. Um but I was I was making like I made enough in 2018, but that was largely off of like one contest. Um which it often is. I think a, a lot of yeah. people underappreciate like how often it's like you lose a lot in between big wins and you really just need to get those those big wins to pay your salary for the year. Right. Right. Um, so so it was uh, it wasn't that it, it wasn't like I didn't get any resistance from her, thankfully. Um, nice. And actually, she was more like my cheerleader on that. So that's really cool. So, yeah. Yeah. So and, and so that, that's crazy though that you quit right before and, and actually I I had a sort of a similar story where I quit my job and then had a, a big win right away but that's I mean that's be, before you even were done at your job that's really cool to win the millie maker that is that's kind of insane to right away get that validation of like okay I can I can do this uh, and then yeah. did you did you that is that when you started playing higher stakes after you won the millie uh yeah for sure so like that season i had planned like i think i thought i had a good showdown process because like showdown was relatively new um at that time so i was i had decided like i was gonna at least play like the like i think it was like the like 200 showdown contests um which was maybe like a i don't know a 6k investment at the time to max those out um so i was gonna do that anyway um but yeah, it gave me it gave me um, definitely a bankroll to like do that more comfortably, um, and I did have a good showdown here that year. I had a pretty decent classic uh, slate here also for NFL that year, yeah. um, and then like NBA, I started playing more high stakes, not necessarily maxing it out, but um, not yet at that point. But um, yeah, I maxed out yeah. the high stakes. So you were still maxing out the flagship, but not the high stakes yet at that point. Yeah. And this this is the the 2019-2020 season. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And then you go into it and then you took you said you took a break from baseball. So you didn't play and you just came back this year to to win the fantasy baseball world championship. <laughs> You're just like, "All right, I'll, I'll I guess I'll come back to win that championship." Yeah, well, it's weird. like I just I lost all momentum really. Uh so I had a bad year in 2018 uh playing baseball. Like my bankroll was dwindling um until like I hit like a showdown in, in, in that NFL season and uh, which really saved me. And, um, and uh, so like 2019, my daughter was born. I, I didn't have any time for it. Um, 2020 is a pandemic. So like, I think they started back when NBA started. So I didn't play that. Right. Uh, and then, I don't know. I just like, didn't have, I just didn't have it in me on like in the next two years for some reason. Um, and now with like my kid in school, I have a lot more time during the day. So, sure. so I was like, I just like got a lot of the data from 2022. I back tested some of the methods I was using before with some tweaks and, um, and it was like, it was doing really well in the back test. So I was, I just had confidence, um, you know, playing high stakes and I actually didn't have, I don't, I didn't win any tournaments, I think in the lower stakes in baseball, but like I did quite well in, in higher stakes. Um, so, so I was, I was, I was comfortable doing that because of like, you know, that extra time I had to, to back test everything, um, and like really work on, work on a process. Which, uh, which sports or, or which sport do you think you have the biggest edge in, in DFS? Uh, I mean, if, if it's from like a, like 
strictly like ROI speaking, I'd guess it's football, maybe like theoretically, but there's so few slates that, um, that, uh, you know, it's hard to realize your ROI and like, you know, by the time you can, you, you're, you probably don't have the bank rolls to play like the same, um, stakes or something like that, you know? Um, so I think, I think, uh, I think my most consistent in the past has been NBA, but after playing MLB, like even taking out the live final win, uh, I think I had a better year in MLB than I usually do in NBA. Um, so practically speaking, maybe it's baseball. Um, but you know, I, it's more it's certainly more consistent than than football i think okay so so uh okay so it's between between those three you think it might be baseball but yeah, historically you've done better it's at all basketball. three of them right, yeah so yeah, theoretically yeah, NFL, that. okay yeah so um i actually i, I would i'll check my road tracker though i've i don't uh, i have to email someone to get my contest <laughs> you you enter so many contests that yeah I, i've heard of people that have to do that i'm to email my rep to get my entire contest history uh but yeah, yeah you, you have to play massive volume to to get to the point where it's like okay i can't download it from DraftKings. i need to actually email somebody to send it to me yeah yeah it's, not, it's not definitely a barrier yeah it's like the balance isn't is, is going is going down too badly so yeah i'm doing something right all right now we're going to talk uh about process i'm going to ask you questions i'm going to hope you know for 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 the best answers i can get but uh i know i know you're not going to share everything but we'll yeah we'll do our best next year will be the year i quit dfs thanks neil (laughs) yeah exactly um do you do do any simulations or use simulations from outside sources as part of your process at all uh so i uh yes kind of i i don't uh do simulations in kind of the way the sites do them with a contest field um Although that's that's a good idea. I mean, I had that. The reason I don't do it that way is because I had that idea um, a few years ago, and when I tried to do it, I realized I had no idea how to make a contest field. <laughs> um, so, so I really I don't know. I still to the day don't know how to do it. I, I think I could figure it out if I really uh, put in the hours, but um, I didn't know how to make like a, a reasonable facsimile of a contest. Um, and then the other thing was. Um, uh, like I only played low stakes at the time. So like if I was going to make a contest field, it'd be, you know, large fields. And I don't think like I didn't have like the computing power to like really effectively simulate a large field tournament um, <clears throat> and, and, you know, grab lineups that I wanted um, based on the results in, in like a simulated large field tournament. So right. instead I, I went like maybe I don't know, maybe a more difficult route, but I I tried to like figure out really like the mathematics of the game and like and kind of like write down all the variables and like figure out, you know, what what's my what's my goal? Like what's my ultimate goal? Like, you know, to like win, you know, maximize my probability of winning or something like that or like maximize ROI um, or some metric, you know, everyone everyone has everyone has like an objective function, right? It's just like a matter of like, whether you are thinking about it or just like putting it on paper or, you know, um, um, you know, how you, how you go about getting there. Um, so for me, it was more like, I was like, okay, I think I could figure out kind of the math of this, 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 this game. And it was like solving a little puzzle and um so you're talking game by game simulations as opposed to contest level you were doing you were running your own game level simulations no not even like not even the simulation i just mean like 
essentially like figuring out the properties of a DFS contest, like essentially okay. like approximating what a simulation would do without actually having to simulate it. Okay. Uh, so that's what I was trying to do. Um, and that just like requires like, um, you know, like kind of like figuring out the statistics of the game, like what, you know, what distributions you need, like how, how, to, how do I actually like, how do I actually get to the point where I can find lineups that will, that will maximize my probability of like finishing high in a tournament um, without <laughs> simulating. Um, okay. So I have a process that essentially is like a simulation, but okay. it's, it's, it's more like a an analytical type of solution. And that, that just takes like, and I had to like read research papers. Cause I was like, how do we figure out the distribution of, you know, the minimum of two variables or whatever, you know, you know what I mean? Like, did, did um, you read uh whistles go woos research paper? I, I didn't read his research paper. I think okay. he's an optimization. It might, I mean, it might be useful. I don't know. Um, yeah, he, but, he's definitely into optimization. So, so do you, do you use an optimizer as part of your process? Uh, yeah, I use one to generate lineups. Not, I mean, my own like in uh program. Um, okay. so I, I essentially, the way I make lineups is I just like optimize over, you know, move around projections, optimize. That's pretty much and it. You, you created your own optimizer. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, it's not, it's relatively straightforward in R. Like if you have an R, if you know R, um, okay. so, um, um, there's like a package to, to do it and you just like put in the constraints. Um, you have to code up the constraints, but like, so it, there's a little bit of learning curve, but I did it. I did. That's something I did early on. And then like, you know, learning how to add like stacking rules and things like that. Uh, it, it's evolved a bunch over time. Okay. Uh, do you do your own projections from scratch? I don't know. I've never, I've never done my own projections. I just, I don't think I, I don't think I have the time or like the, the will to do it. Like, okay. I feel like there's a qualitative component to projections that I just, uh, I just, <laughs> I, I can't do it. And, um, okay. you know, being up to date on news and everything and, um, what was it? Uh, I, I, uh, and I mean, the industry projections are, are quite good. So yeah, I just no real need. Um, what, what about ownership do, projections? Um, you do your own, do you do your own ownership. ownership projections? Uh, yeah. So I, I didn't before I used, I kind of used to just use them out of the box, but, um, recently I, I, I've been a little bit dissatisfied, um, okay. with the ownership projections. And so I, I still use them as a baseline and then I kind of add in a few things that I think are important. And, um, and so it, 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 it ends up being very close to the industry projections, but like, I, I think they're slightly, slightly more accurate. So, um, sorry, did you say that you start with some uh, projections from the industry and you adjust those? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That, that makes, makes sense. You just tweak it to, you know, be more uh you, you say you don't do qualitative anything qualitative uh you don't think you have a good feel for it for uh doing your own projections but is it sort of a, a qualitative uh tweak that you make like based on you know your your feel for no. the field at all okay <laughs> uh no. sometimes but rarely I, that that i might do if like for late swap um okay but uh yeah for like if if there's like a you know a guy rolled out after after lock and you know, this backup is going to get a bunch of minutes. I'll, I'll, I'll maybe tweak those. That that could be more of like an art sometimes. Um, but sure. um, no, it's it's still quantitative. Like I'll take the industry projections and and put them in a model basically, and put in some other stuff in the model. Interesting. Okay. Um, so, 
Um, how much, uh, speaking of ownership, how much does ownership play a role for you in grading your lineups? Uh, it, it plays quite a big role. Um, it's it, a lot of my process hinges on like having pretty accurate ownership projections. Um, so if they're off, it, it changes it changes the the structure of my lineups quite a bit. Or if if they're just different, then um, if I if I change them around one way or another, you know, things things change quite a bit. Um, yeah. but yeah, it, it really hinges on having at least reasonable. It doesn't have to be like great, but like reasonable ownership projections. Like I don't even I play like different stakes, right? And obviously, ownership is different between like high stakes and low stakes but like some sports i just use like the low stakes projection ownership projections and some stakes i i mix them up sometimes some states i change them um but okay yeah so it, it just it, it all hinges on ownership but they don't have to be perfect i guess if you haven't already checked it out you can get your first deposit doubled up to 500 dollars on better picks check it out if you haven't heard it's b-e-t-r picks it takes the traditional fantasy pick'em concept and amplifies it with the ability to win up to 100x your entry fee if you correctly select up to eight picks choose watch wisely and watch your winning soar forget about frustrating ties and pushes better picks keeps the excitement flowing with no pushes allowed Every pick counts and every decision matters as you strive for victory. Better Picks covers a wide range of sports, including NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and more. Of course, the legal age for gambling in most states is 21 plus. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. What would you call yourself an exploitative player? Yeah, I think you... so. Uh, I'm not really like thinking about what other people or other like specific people are doing. But right. Um but as a field, uh, what the field is doing uh, matters quite a bit. Okay. Um, is avoiding being duplicated by other players a big part of your strategy in any contests? Um, just like the big showdown. Um, that's the only one I'm actually looking at dupes um, okay. as a quantity. The other ones, it, it sort of like works out that way based on my process since I'm using ownership. So like you, I'll usually have like a guy that's under 10% or whatever, you know, in, in a, in a few spots. Um, okay. So you play it more like a, a typical contest where you just factor in ownership, but then as a result, you, you end up not being duplicated too many times in high stakes typically anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I've been thinking about recently is like, you know, I, I kind of assume like I know the ownerships when I'm making my lineups and like well that's not really true like so right. my my stuff is probably inflated or at least like the way i see it. and like <clears throat> i think that way about like the contest sims too at, at the websites like their rois are definitely like a little bit optimistic um because right. they're part of it, it's like they're assuming ownership is fixed like they're assuming they know the ownership and um right. you know i mean you could you could do it in a way that like you you have random ownership um content but like that would be computationally insane so it probably just makes sense to assume you know it yeah yeah it's impossible it's to still useful. yeah it's yeah it's, like it's useful you can get an idea for ownership but it's impossible to like get perfect ownership and then there's also the the factor of like with like the sims it's like well okay so if a lot of people are using these sims where this player is clearly really under owned isn't that going to drive up his ownership so there there are those complications in publicly available stuff any kind of like ownership projections it gets complicated with the leveling of like okay well now everybody's reacting to the same news um yeah yeah, yeah and it's hard to know like when things are kind of 
when like older contests say are out of date like you know when i'm making my ownership models i'm like do i like want to use data from last year or like two years ago or something like that like i think showdown is totally different now i mean i think showdown yeah. from two years ago is obsolete now um I'm, I'm starting starting to think the same thing too i feel like there have been and maybe this is just my impression maybe i'm totally wrong but i feel like uh more people are playing like lineups that in years past would have been unique which kind of is is driving more, less duplication to some lineups that uh are like more obvious i, I think yeah. at this point and maybe, maybe that's wrong maybe that's just kind of my feel is there have been some lineups that have won with like you know six dupes and i'm like how is that only duped six times and i kind of wonder if it is the field kind of adjusting and uh maybe maybe over correcting for the way people used to play it's, it's an interesting yeah. nut to crack the, the showdown yeah. stuff i think that's uh, true I, I think there are places where like it's it's getting a little people are going a, a, a little bit overboard but like it, it's all about adjusting to what the field is doing i think and trying to stay ahead of it so what are some ways uh how does your strategy differ for showdown versus main slates for for nfl in particular um or i, I guess you know if you want to answer for for nba or any other type of contest is, is there a big difference in terms of your strategy for showdown versus main slates uh so until recently like there was uh, I, I didn't actually like i used a method that didn't really account for ownership and a lot of the contests showdown contests that i was playing um until this year when i realized that was not um uh, you know that wasn't as profitable it still could be profitable but it wasn't as profitable a way to to do it for me and it was sort of like less predictable of like future um success i guess um and, and so I, I changed my process to uh to kind of be the same as what i do on main slates now okay. uh for showdown uh except for like the big lotto, um, the, you know, the big flagship showdown contests, those, I, I do something a little bit different. Um, okay. but that's, that's the only one. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I would have, I think I would have won it yesterday doing the process that I use for main slates, but, uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, you won the, the two twenty two yesterday. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if, if it's, if, if you use that similar process, yeah. If you had just entered that lineup into the yeah. main contest, you would have binked two showdown slates yesterday. But yeah. you'll have to settle for your what hundred and fifty thousand or whatever you won on the uh in the high stakes yeah. showdown yesterday. I'll so you know, not the end of the world. Right. Um do you um oh I had to follow. Oh yeah. So so it sounds like you a lot of your stuff is originated. Like you're using your own optimizer, you have your own, very own specific process. Um, do you backtest constantly like how do you backtest your con your process constantly and how often do you actually change your process? Um I do backtest a lot, um, especially, um, I feel like this year, especially I've done that a bunch. Cause like I had a lot of success doing it for MLB. Um, and I, I try not to change it too much. I think like you should sort of leave it alone for a little while and see how things go. Um, but, but I, I do, um, like try to update things and, and, uh, like I like I'll I'll probably at least evaluate it like a couple times a season. Um, okay. And and it's not like I'm not making huge changes. I'm making like kind of little tweaks here and there, just like almost as a way to like calibrate things because everything I do is like very approximate. Um, so so like I I try I try to like test it on real data. Okay. Um, 
and then like sometimes I just I like you know like one of my parameters in my in my um program is like contest size right so like sure I adjust the contest size a little bit like maybe that changes my results um in ways that um I didn't expect um so so it's just it's more about like calibrating all these approximations into something that's like real world profitable right it's interesting hearing you say like you don't want to change it up too often you want to let your process and that's sort of how I feel I, I always struggle with the like when should I adjust because it's hard to know am I playing bad or am I running bad like that, that's always a like it, do I need to change what I'm doing or am I just getting unlucky and if I keep keep going like how how do you decide when to make it an adjustment yeah I mean it can make you insane right <laughs> like, right it's such a humbling uh game like it really uh, is you think you're on top of the world and then you know six weeks without a win and you're like should I just quit? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh. As the game um, passed me by. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that, that's, uh, I mean, I mean, I, uh, I usually like update everything every two weeks at NFL and then like, but I don't, I don't change. It usually doesn't change a lot. Usually like, I don't know. I feel like this year I've been, I've been, I've been changing things maybe too frequently. Um, um, and so I'm, I think I need to just like chill for a little bit. Um, it's funny to hear you say that when you have had clearly a lot of success this year, I mean, you, you split the Millie, you just won another showdown contest last night. Um, so it's, yeah. uh, yeah, go, goes to show how, how much big pros are thinking about this stuff. Like uh, thinking about adjusting yeah. where, you know, your success to every, to the outside world is like, you, you are crushing it. Why would you change anything? But you're still I, I thinking say... about it. <laughs> What I'll say is I think you have to be careful about like what you're changing. Like, I think you have to have like a pretty good hypothesis in mind of like what, what you're doing, like makes sense and why it makes sense. Like you have like sort of a, a somewhat theoretical framework of like why this should work or like why some change like might work or should work. Cause like, if you're just testing a bunch of different things, you're going to find something that's that, that you're, that you're making money in. Um, but it's not necessarily like predictive of future success. Um, so I think people need to be a little bit careful with like backtesting and, and me too. I, I, we're like, I'm just like, you know, testing everything. Um, you're um, talking to the top 1% right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think most of the field is doing a ton of adjusting all that. Often. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I should stop. Actually. Thank you for <laughs> cutting me off. <laughs> I wasn't trying to cut. Damn it! I just screwed up. I just cut you off <laughs> when I didn't mean to. I'm obviously like um, the idea. No, of but that I mean, like that's that's a. It's that whole like I don't I don't know like how much, um, if you've heard of this in like statistics, but like multiple comparisons, um, and like if you look for is like like fishing sort of expedition. Like if you if you like try everything, you're gonna find something. Um, Interesting. And it's not necessarily gonna work, you know, <laughs> in the future. It's not, it's not really predictable, I guess. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so we, we kind of talked about this at the top of the show. Uh, do you sweat the games at all? Uh, yeah, I've done it more this year, actually. I think because, like, I can't stop looking at the, like, at my phone, <laughs> on the leaderboards and yeah. stuff. So, so I'm like, I mean, it's either, like, just watch the leaderboard or, like, just watch the game and, you know, and, in an ideal world, world, I would just watch the game and like not care or know where I am um, on the leaderboards, but um, that never happened. So, so yeah, I've been I've been watching a lot of the 
you know, to my dismay, the uh, primetime football games. <laughs> like yeah. yesterday, I mean, yesterday was the the Minnesota Chicago game. I was um, I wasn't watching until like six minutes in the fourth quarter, and then I was like, all right, I, I have a little sweat going. <laughs> I'll just turn it on because <laughs> otherwise yeah. I'm gonna stare at my computer for for like the next thirty minutes and like not actually watch any football. So, right. So that's me. Came out in your favor. So, so did you see the the one touchdown of the game that was that in the last six minutes? I can't remember. I think it was, but I might have been in the bathroom or something. Okay. I don't know. All right. I, I might miss that one. Okay. Um, how do you see the DFS landscape changing going forward? Um yeah, uh, I think I've I've thought about this quite a bit. I mean, I I think um Sports betting is really gonna is, is gonna hurt it in the long run, yeah. of course, and we all know that. Uh, I it, it seems like there are enough people who enjoy DFS um, that it, it's, it's sort of sticking around. I, I like that DraftKings. It doesn't feel like the games have gotten much smaller. They, they've gotten a little bit smaller, but um, I mean, I hope it's going around, you know, strong for a while and if I'm still doing this in five years, I will be very satisfied with that. Um, but I, I do think sports betting is gonna, is gonna make it take a hit a little bit, but like people love these, these like crazy single game parlays and like these right. ridiculous parlays that they have to hit. So like, I mean, just play DFS instead. You know? I mean, that's basically what it is. Um, yeah. so maybe there's like a market there. I mean, if, if they market it as that, but, um, I don't think like Sims are going to, do anything i don't think that's bad for dfs um interesting i do think think that things are going to make it too hard for like general people to play i i think i think it's not going to make it so that the games shrink um uh maybe like if if top pros start to leave a lot but i actually think like i think it might get pros back in (laughs) in a way or like get guys in into the tent. I, I do think there's going to be sort of like a, a shrinking that happens where like, you know, people in the middle get a little better. People at the top get a little worse. Um, people on the bottom are, are still probably going to be pretty bad. Uh, I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know, like, you know, people that are playing 20 bucks a week, probably like it's not, it's not worth it to, to buy a, a SIM package for even like a hundred bucks a month or something like that. Um, or, you know, even if they're playing, you know, it, it depends on what, what level, because then you have to overcome the rake and, right. and like the cost of subscriptions and all that. Um, so yeah. I, I think it's cool that the sites are innovating. Uh, I don't love it, but, right. uh, but um, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's bad for the industry. I think it's bad for sort of like a certain group of. It's bad for out. like the, the top point you know, top 0.1%, like really even not even, not even just the top 1%, but like the top 0.1%, it's going to be bad yeah. for the, the players really at the top, because as you say, like it hurts the the best players in the world. I mean, you, you're, you're fourth in the tournament player of the year leaderboard. Uh, it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt players of your caliber. Uh, but then for anybody who is good at DFS, but not like great at DFS, not like the top of the game who are now able to take advantage of Sims, it's going to help those types of players. And then players who are, not using any kind of sims and not you know doing their own kind of process maybe get left behind yeah yeah that's probably what it's going to be um or maybe it doesn't really affect them because they were already you know not really didn't have a great shot at winning tournaments 
Yeah, I, I do wonder like how much of like the user base that is subscribing to a product like SaberSam or Stochastic or, you know, sorry, I was never mentioned a competitor. <laughs> oh, it's fine. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it, if it, maybe it'll move the needle uh, significantly. I mean, I know I had like, actually like, again, outside of the line final, I didn't have a great like end of the baseball season. Um, so I don't know, maybe that was like seven catching up or something like that. Um, Could be, yeah. So I'm I'm sure things are going to uh get harder and like kind of just like a matter of like uh can you adapt I, I don't know I mean, we'll see but yeah no I think that that's that is a a good uh synopsis of like, yeah nobody really knows like the, the extent how what what percentage of the field are using advanced tools and uh what percentage of the field are using them correctly uh yeah I guess what well, it, it's TBD how how things are really going to go. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good, uh, you know, prognostication. I don't know if I'm using the right word, uh, but, but guess as to how things might go. Uh, we'll go um, with it. <laughs> we'll go with it. We'll go with it. Um, live final. So I noticed that you you have been too many live finals. You, you've won a lot of tickets to live finals. You obviously just won the Fantasy Baseball World Championship. Uh, what is it that you like about live finals? Like, why why do you chase the live finals? um yeah this is probably not great <laughs> for my bankroll but um i mean you just won the I think fantasy baseball like world trying championship. to get in the... yeah <laughs> well yeah that's true I mean, you know process over results neil <laughs> that's right true um but uh uh so i mean it's just i think getting into like the highest stakes contest uh you know of the season is like very tempting it's always been like kind of alluring to me even like when i couldn't like really afford to play the qualifiers um based on my bankroll um but i also just like like meeting people um in the industry it's like it's it's a lo really lonely game so so it's not like i'm going to an office and like hey susan you know like right um so it gives you the opportunity to, to meet people in the industry to talk yeah, about this stuff it's like a, it's like a little dfs conference for me you know it's true it's true so, um, so that, I love that aspect of it. And then obviously just, you know, it, getting like to play for like a huge prize was always fun, uh, except, you know, after the contest usually yeah, when everyone's disappointed except like three people. Have you been to a, a FanDuel live final? I haven't, um, which okay. I'm, and it's mostly just because like, I don't play on there, but um, I mean, it's entirely because of that. But, um, yeah. But uh, I've wanted to go because I know like DraftKings doesn't let kids in their events and I feel like FanDuel is a little bit more lenient there. Um, so I, maybe I should just like start playing FanDuel qualifiers instead. Um, oh, so you you are, I know you're bringing your daughter, I believe, to, to yeah. the uh, DraftKings Fantasy Football World Champ. I didn't even thought about that. I have heard that like they don't allow kids at the events. Um, is, is that true? Like they, so your daughter's not going to be allowed to like a lot of the, the DraftKings events? Yeah, yeah, she's not gonna be allowed in. Um, yeah. so I'll be there with my wife, who will probably be with her, and then you know we'll like trade off or something. I actually like baseball live final. I was a little annoyed at this, but like, uh, I it was like so it was on the West Coast, right? And it was uh, so it was like seven o'clock on the West Coast. Um, kind of like the middle of the slate. Um, and I didn't, I didn't like nothing none, none of my lineups were really popping like i had a bunch i had like i had five lineups and they're all in the top 50 i think but like none of them were really popping and um my wife just came back from like being with my daughter for a, for a little while and 
uh she was like oh could you like take her upstairs and, and get her ready for bed and stuff and get her something to eat um so I I do that and then as I'm I'm getting her ready for bed like I, I just check my phone and one of my lineups is in is in fourth place and I'm like oh shit and um and then like I check a few minutes later it's in third and then a couple minutes later it's in first and I was like hey you have to get <laughs> like Dan my rep texted me and I was like and I called my wife and I'm like hey you gotta come back upstairs um yeah. I need to get down there um so I, I missed kind of all the action that, that actually got me there <laughs> Oh, that's uh, a bummer. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, you can't complain <laughs> about yeah. a million dollar win, right? Right. Um, it, it is unfortunate that they don't allow kids at the events just because I, I've heard, and I'm not a parent, so it doesn't really affect me, but I've heard other parents say the same thing of like, kind of annoyed not to be able to just bring your kid to the event, you know, and, and take care of them there. You have to like step away from the event. So hopefully, hopefully that's something that Rafkins will change at some point. I wonder if it's the the open bar setting. I don't know. Like everybody needs yeah, to be over 21. I don't, I don't know. What the, so. <laughs> yeah. Their their legal team is very strict. Uh, yeah. That that is true. That is that has been my experience at the couple I've been to. Um do you do you always try to get multiple like have you ever given any thought to like okay, I won a ticket to an event. That's good enough. Now I have my ticket. I get now I get to go to the event like I feel like to me it's like if I won a ticket to an event, I might stop chasing qualifiers just because then it's like great, I've got the ticket to go to the event. That's all I wanted anyway. Have you ever given any thought to that because it it appears that you always go for multiple, is that correct? Yeah, now now I do. I think um if I if I like qualified when I was um you know, uh I didn't you know, before like I had the bankroll for it, then I I probably would have just went for the one. Um yeah. uh but now it's more like all right, I know I have a much better chance with you know two, three entries, um, you know, at least. Um so and it's so I, yeah, I was try to I was just try to play as, as much as my bankroll allows. Yeah, and you, I mean you, you play it you play enough volume that it's it's not like you're just chasing live finals, you're playing all of the big contests on there. That's just one part of it. And it's what, what is it? Two and a half million to first for the fantasy football world championship. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. And then Something they have, like they actually added to the prize pool this year. They have like an afternoon contest now. Oh, um, that's awesome. Very yeah. cool. Um, all right. We got a couple listener questions. Uh, Ike Jernigan asks, what is your average morning routine? Um, so I, I wake up around seven, um, take my daughter to school and, uh, DFS wise, I, I do like, a I, I'll do a little bit of work, but like, it's more maintenance stuff. Like I'll download old contest files and, um, and, uh, you know, projections, maybe update models and stuff. Um, and, and then like, if I, if I have some like tweak I, I'm thinking about, um, or some like DFS thing i'm thinking about i'll maybe like have a program to test it and and then like i'll, I'll let it run and maybe i'll like go to the gym after that or something like that <clears throat> okay um and like recently i started playing recently i started like trying to learn how to play golf uh, oh wow in the okay so um I'm, I'm very bad but um we'll see I, I wanted to get like into a sport and you know my most of my free time is from like eight to two in the mornings <laughs> i mean eight eight in the morning till two in the afternoon and uh and it's not like a lot of team sports you can just like play. So True. like let's, let's try golf. Makes sense. Um, since you brought up working on DFS a little bit in the morning, I gotta ask you the uh 
the question of do you, the, the 80 hours question, do you, do you put in your 80 hours a week? What, what kind of, what kind of time do you think you spend on DFS? Uh, no, it's definitely not that. I mean, my whole, my whole goal toward like, uh, DFS since I started, um, was trying to get to a process where like that was relatively automated, you know, that, you know, I had to do some stuff, but like where I could, I could just like hop on, you know, a half an hour before lock or whatever and, and get my lineups in. Um, so, so it is, it is kind of like that. Um, um, spend a little more time on NFL, but just cause there's so many more contests. Um, <clears throat> and and so, so like the actual entering contests and like making lineups and stuff that, that stuff is that that's like the least amount of time. For, I mean, not the least amount of time, but like NBA is obviously NBA with late swap is, you know, you actually have to like sort of be paying attention to things for yeah. a couple of hours, at least the seven to eight window. And then after eight, like it's a little easier, but you still have to be kind of on top of things. So so I wouldn't say I would say like it's it's busiest during when NFL and NBA overlap. Um, sure. it, it if it ever gets close to eighty hours, I'm doing too much. <laughs> okay. Um, a lot of a lot of my stuff is like it's more just like thinking about stupid things like oh ownership fixed versus random, <laughs> you know like okay. Um, maybe it does. It probably doesn't matter, <laughs> but um, you know, and like testing back test writing programs to like back test things I'm thinking about. You know, interesting. So no nowhere close to eighty hours. Do you think you put in forty hours a week? Uh, I think it's probably close to that right now. Um, okay. Uh, it, it's less during baseball season, but sure. yeah, yeah, close to that now. Um, Dean Ice asks, given the lineups of the last couple Sunday winners of the Millie Maker is stacking over, and he's referring to the large field Millie Makers. Two weeks yeah. in a row now, we've had unstacked quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, do you yeah. believe stacking is overrated? I don't think so. I, I, I get, I, I understand like the sort of the that sort of cognitive bias. We see like two, two winners in a row and, and we'll like, Oh, maybe we shouldn't stack. I, I do think it matters. It probably matters less in like the, the huge field tournaments and like the very small field tournaments. Which is, right. um, um, but, but the thing with the, the very large field is like, I think stacking is still really important. I think maybe like secondary stacks are a little less important. Um, I think I still think quarterback pass catcher is still like, if you're making lineups, you have to think about it like in the context of like what gives you the best chance to win. And I think, I think still at least doing that like basic, you know, QB wide receiver, QB tight end stack, uh, in your across your lineups, you know, diversified some way gives you the best chance of like going near the top. So I mean, if you really wanted to evaluate it, you would just look at like out of all the lineups that were unstacked, you know, how many finished in the top like 0.1% or whatever. Even you could right. even look a little. You can even go down from like 0.05. I don't know, 0.05% or whatever. But um, and then like what percentage of those lineups made it, you know, up up top. Yeah, that's um, a good point. You, you can kind of backtest how people have done with unstacked lineups. I also like, yeah. then you have to wonder, like, who are the people that are making unstacked lineups? Like, are they just making bad unstacked lineups? Because maybe they don't even understand stacking as a concept. Um, so it's it's a little bit tricky in that sense. Um, yeah, it's interesting that you 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 bring up the the idea of because I've, I've thought this in the past, like, 
Uh, I know uh, the the general thought is you should stack your quarterback in large fields with two pass catchers. And I've always thought, well, to, to really get to the top, you really want one of those pass catchers to catch, you know, three touchdowns and have so much of the volume. So then I, I, I go back and forth on the, like, should I be multiple receiver stacking in the large field stuff that the 200,000 person, you know, DraftKings field, or should I just be single stacking and hope that all the volume goes to one pass catcher? And that's, that's something that I often struggle with. Like what is the the contest size versus the stack size kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, you and me both, I, I, I still struggle with that one too. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know if two pass catchers is, is really the best for the, the, these tournaments, but like, I mean, you don't want with three. So, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Good point. Uh, so there's no there's no like set rule i think um i do think uh three doesn't three is probably like a lower chance but like it, with the right pieces the right salary right it, if it works out you know um it 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 just it there's so many factors where it depends on ownership salary you know sure. and i don't know I, I i still think you know for huge field yes stacking is the way to go um yeah. that's my that's my hypothesis at least okay and the small field maybe not you know under 10 type under 15 under 10 players maybe not i don't know i don't think you need it yeah well yeah that's just more like a standard fantasy league if you're talking a yeah 10 to 15 person field and yeah maybe not quite as important um all right so we are uh at the point of the show where we're ready to, to close things out uh Tell me about your favorite win or win celebration. Um, well, we touched on the uh, 2019 Millie Maker. That would, that's up there, uh, <laughs> just because like the coincidence of the time. You, you can tell you can tell me about multiple if you uh, if you have a couple that yeah. stand out in your mind. So that yeah. one you say is is the one that you can remember your entire lineup. Yeah, I think I, I think so. I won't ask you to repeat it if you don't want to. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna <laughs> no, I mean, not gonna I, test you uh, here. Uh, now I'm like, oh, it was a it was a Jameis Winston Mike Evans stack, and that was that was a, a game where like the the Giants Bucks game went like completely off, um, and I don't think it even had a run back. Um, so it was like Jameis Mike Evans, I think Keenan Allen, uh, two running backs for Philip Lindsay, and I had McCaffrey and Rex Burkhead. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Nice. Uh, and there was one other receiver. It was like another expensive receiver. And that one I, <laughs> I forgot. Um, and the Panthers defense. Um, so, so that one, that that one was great just because like it coincided like right when I was leaving my job. Um, so, you know, taking this leap of faith and then just like having that insurance. Um, That's pretty incredible. Uh, you know, things if things went south with DFS. Yeah. Um, and just you know allowing me to play more comfortably at higher stakes um was was great um and the one the, the other one i would say is uh uh it was a packers bears game week one 2018 this was the first 2018 showdown okay. captain uh mode oh cool <laughs> so i think they introduced showdown the year before the super bowl or like near the super bowl um and then they added the captain mode as a wrinkle because there were so many duplicates um and i wasn't even like planning to play it oh the other thing is DraftKings had like a kickoff party um that weekend in new jersey so i was in jersey um and i wasn't planning to to play it um 
but there was a lot of overlay in the, you know, big $10 contest. It was like 250 K to first, something like that. Um, and so I was like, Oh, like I should, I should at least like enter this contest. Cause there's a bunch of overlay. And so I didn't, I didn't have any like program for showdowns. So I just like, I, I wrote one, um, that day and I was, and, um, and it was like based on my main slate stuff. So it wasn't too hard to, it was, I just had to like adapt certain things, um, and change a few things. Um, so, so I enter my lineups and like, I go out to watch the game with a friend and, um, toward the end of the game. Um, so I needed, I, I knew I would have like a little sweat going cause I, I checked and I was like, Oh, I I'm like, I have like a, I guess I have a shot here. I, I think I just need like Randall Cobb to like do something like big or something. And, and then like a couple of minutes later, he, he catches like a 70 yard pass from Aaron Rodgers for wow. a touchdown. And I had him, I had him at captain and I had, uh, I don't know the rest of the lineup, but I had Rodgers and I had the bears defense. Um, and it just all kind of worked out because the bears defense got there. Cause like Rogers got hurt in the middle of the game and then he came back. Um, and like, at this point I was, I was like, this was the year that like I lost a lot in baseball and I had like 10 K in my account or something like that. It was, it was, it's still a lot of money, but I was like, I had to like, sort of like temper my play a little bit. And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah like this might be, I, I might be done with DFS in a couple months. And then, and then I hit that one for like 130 K. It was a three-way tie. Wow. Um, so that sort of, that was another time where like, I felt like I saved my DFS or like my DFS career saved. Yeah. Um, at like a very opportune time. So it's funny, just, it, it, they've been having the conversation on Lowell's recently, a couple of times brought up the idea of like, what are the odds that the best DFS player of all time just didn't have luck early on and, and quit. And it sounds like, I mean, you, you've been close to that point before of like, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe, maybe I don't want to do it. Um, so yeah, yeah, uh, I remember I heard that conversation, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure it's true. Like, I'm sure a lot of people have quit, um, um, based on like just early, you know, the early variants not going their way. Um, right. and you know, I'm just like super grateful that, like, at the most opportune times, I, I at least in my <laughs> the way I feel, it felt at least like I had I've had big wins come at very, like, very opportune times. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like it um yeah it's uh and, and uh to, to that conversation I've, I've always thought like well also probably the the best players at dfs are also smart enough to like use their brains in other things like like biostatistics for for example like if, yeah. if you are a great dfs player you probably are, are smart enough to do that kind of stuff that a lot of people can't do so which probably actually increases the odds of the best dfs player of all time or, or some of the best dfs players of all time just quitting early if they don't have uh, that kind of fortuitous timing that that you've had in the past. So that's uh, yeah, always an interesting conversation, and interesting to hear your story in particular, being like clearly one of one of the best DFS players in the world. And you've gotten to the point a couple times where it's been like, all right, maybe maybe I need to quit this. Maybe I need to get back to the uh, back to the biostatistics or whatever else you you want to get into. Um, so that's that's interesting to hear. And then I, I, I do want to ask just uh, because I know you were at the live final for the fantasy baseball world championship. Was it? Did you enjoy having? all those other people around you when you won or was it like an additional stressor having all those people there um no i mean that was great yeah i mean i i hung out i didn't actually didn't have a, any like i didn't have anyone with me <laughs> i was i was alone oh really I brought, yeah i only brought my wife and, and my kid um so um 
I think, uh, yeah, like I invited a friend and he had vacation plans and then and my friends don't like me. So, <laughs> so, um, so, uh, yeah, I was, I was, um, by myself and, um, but like, I just hung out with like people that were there and that was cool. Okay. Well, uh, when you win the, the fantasy football world championship in a couple of weeks, I'll yeah. be in your corner. Um, right. Uh, for, for those, for those who don't know, Rich actually invited me, uh, gave me one of his tickets cause he has so many tickets that he's just like, all right, I'm going to give it out to, to DFS friends uh, out there and invite them along, but I'll, I'll be there to cheer you on. Uh, while your wife is tending to your daughter. And, and it sounds like you have several other people coming with you for this one as well. Uh, yeah, I got a few, um, uh, not a, not a huge group, but like, yeah, um, uh, I, I wanted to, uh, again, my friends don't like me. So, uh, <laughs> I wanted to <laughs> reach out to, uh, some people in the industry. And, um, actually I asked, um, I asked, uh, baseballs before you. <laughs> oh, funny. Uh, I don't really know him. Yeah. I don't know him either. And he probably just thought I was like hitting on him or something, which <laughs> which I was, but he didn't yeah, right. um, he correctly <laughs> realize that. Um, so he politely declined. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I'm glad, I'm glad you're coming. Um, and should be a good time. Uh, I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Really, really appreciated that invite because I don't have my own ticket. So it'll be, it'll be fun to, to go and get to enjoy the experience, uh, through, through your ticket. So that was a really nice gesture by you. Really appreciate yeah. that. You're welcome. Looking forward to hanging out. Um, all right. Well, I know that you need to go and I think pick up your daughter or, or something. I know you, you have you have an out here. Uh where where can people find you? Um, I, I'm on Twitter. Um, I don't really post anything. Um, yeah. so but I'm I'm there. <laughs> you can find me there, Hishmo DFS. Um and uh yeah, that's about it. Do you see yourself getting into like uh, coaching or anything like that at some point in DFS? Like, is that anything that you could see or getting into content? Is that something you see as part of your future at all or no? I don't think so. I mean, okay. I, I hope not. <laughs> you hope not. You'd rather just, yeah, you'd rather just I, continue to down that. All right. Um, no, um, I, uh, yeah, no, I've never, I haven't been much of a like content guy and like coaching. I feel like, uh, I mean, I would, the extent to what I would do is maybe like uh, write a book when I'm all done. <laughs> maybe like okay. about be, I mean, and DFS or something. Um, that'd be that'd be an interesting book. Okay, but, so probably not until you until you hang it up. You're not going to be coaching people while you're still playing. No, I don't think so. All right, sounds good. Well, you can find Ritesh at Hishbu DFS on Twitter. You can see him at the top of leaderboards constantly. He's Hishbu on DraftKings. Uh, thank you very much, Ritesh, for joining me for High Stakes episode 40 that'll do it for season two this is the final episode of season two hopefully we won't have a long break before season three comes out probably will be in two weeks on friday wherever you get your podcast or on the stochastic youtube channel uh thank you guys very much for watching thanks for mike lawrence for producing as always at awesome yo on twitter thanks for watching we'll see you next time